Hey there, Poe listeners. Let's take a quick break to talk about pay.com.au, a game changer in the payment solutions arena. Are you a business owner bogged down by a cumbersome payment process and you no reward points? Well, pay.com.au has got you covered. With their platform, you can process payments faster, easier, and with better rewards than ever before, earning points with every business payment. Whether you're paying invoices, employees, your BAS statements, or simply looking to manage your business expenses more efficiently, pay.com.au is your go-to platform. Turn your reward points into business class flights or gift cards to incentivize and retain your staff. Check them out at pay.com.au and take your payment game to the next level. Welcome to another Principal of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in. Principal of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now with today's program... Today we have a true visionary of the industry with us, Chef Ian Curley. British born and Melbourne based, Chef Curley has graced the kitchens of iconic restaurants in the city and has a culinary career spanning over 30 incredible years. Whether it's as much as my European cuisine, consulting with the Melbourne Racing Club or a familiar face on Australian TV, Ian has left an indelible mark on our industry. We'll be exploring his passion for food, insights into his career and a little sneak peek of some upcoming projects. Hey Ian, how are you? So let's talk about how you started out in the industry and what got you to this particular point. What made you start in hospitality? I say that way back when when I was in England, I was I'd have a little bit of trouble with the law because we'll probably get to that anyway. And then I figured if I wanted to do something, because I was never going to be a master criminal. Okay, let's face facts. And then I decided that I wanted to do something because I, I was I didn't think I was a bad person, but I just wanted to do something with myself. And then I, I was working at a factory at that time, and to go to get a proper job, it was a tough time in. England back then because there was all about Margaret Thatcher and the days of mm. like factories closing down so the guy who was running the factory I was working in the canteen there said if you want to travel and meet girls you can learn to cook and and he was married and he wasn't an overly good looking guy but he, he travelled and I thought oh yeah why not so he got me an interview at the catering college and then I went there and I think maybe then I think if you go back to when Britain at that time with the chefs that were there with your Marcos and your Ramses and it was more of a regimented thing it was like it was a tough school mm. and so I, I probably I liked that part of it and it was a bit like an army camp I always say because you it was like you got in at like early and you did what you needed to do and I liked that that discipline I think of being told what to do then and then we used to wear working 15 hours a day as a badge of honour and stuff like that and way back then obviously it's changed now but for me it was like oh yeah this seems like a, what something I want to do it's like a, it was a tough school 
but I liked it. And, and coming from the background that I did, which was never had, everybody cries poor and says I was very really poor and stuff like that. But then I didn't have a, like, a great upbringing anyway. So I thought, oh, this is great. Because once you put the white jacket on and the hat and stuff like that, you're the same as everybody else. It doesn't mm. matter if you've had a university education or whatever it is. Once you're in the kitchen with the white jacket, you're the same as everybody else. And if you're a commie on the section of the Savoy or a commie on the section of the Hyatt in London, you're the same as everybody else. It doesn't matter because if you're in the shit, you're in the shit. Yep, yep. But that started, so I was in Coventry. I went to college. Coventry is the middle it's the middle of England. It's a, it's a poor working man's town. It's where all the factories and the, the old British Leylands was. And it, it just grew from there. I enjoyed it. I met, like I said, I met girls and then it was good. And then it gave me a purpose and I... I think it gave me an equality back then when there were people there that had come from different schools when they go to college over there because it's not like uni but they went to, they came from different schools stuff out like and it, they, it didn't care that I'd come from a poor background mm. I met good people older people because they the classes it was and I was learning to cook and then I got a part-time job and it gives you empowerment and then I was thinking this is good then I went to London and then and it was and it was that was it. And 35 years later, I think around about then, I, I, I've had a job ever since. Okay. It hasn't been too bad. And you get ups and downs. And I always say to the kids that I, I talk to and stuff like this when I'm, I'm at the colleges and stuff, you will give and be given life decisions. Like you'll, you'll come to a fork in the road where you've got a girlfriend and you, and you whether or not, or boyfriend, and they'll say, oh, we wish to stay here in this little town and stuff like that, or do whatever it is you've got to do. That's your decision to make. Mm-hmm. But you'll get the decisions where there's no reason why you can't work anywhere in the world. There's no way that you can say to me that you can't make it because I know that I've come to Australia and I've opened businesses and I've, I've travelled I've travelled around the world. I'm not particularly talented in that thing. It's just hard work that gets you there. Mm. And you can do whatever you like. And you can make a difference. And I genuinely believe that if you work hard enough and still in hospitality, it's a great job. I believe it's a fantastic role and a great job. And it should be what we do. And I love it. But that's the thing. I do love it. How did you feel about working in London for the first time? Was that a culture shock? It was a big culture shock. Because, <laughs> like I said, I come from Coventry. Yeah. And... I, in Coventry, I'd never met. I don't think I'd met anybody who was gay before. So when I first arrived in London, it was wow. like it was like wow. I'd obviously had, but I did just didn't know because yeah. it was still at that time. We're talking back in the whatever. It was still it wasn't something I, I didn't even know. But then there were, in London there was little gay clubs, and then there were there were gypsies at the tube station. And I always remember when I first got to London. First of all, going oh, I can't believe people are rushing and they're they're abusing these people. At trying to give them flowers and sure enough four years later I'm doing the same <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> I've become them but then I got to London it was and I use this analogy a lot it's like when I got to London I was working at the Hyatt Carlton Tower with Jeremy Strode and Steve Zabo and some other people and even the guy called Richard Potter who now works with me in Canberra and we used to eat in the staff canteen like twice a day because we couldn't afford to eat cause, and rent and stuff like that. Mm. Then, and we would stay there longer because we or we had another part-time job on top of the job that we had just to survive and get by. 
Now, apprentices have got the latest phone, they've got cars, they've got lives, and you go, it's not that bad. <laughs> but when we were there, it was like you were in for 15 hours or whatever it was a day, and you were just about surviving, mm. and that's where you, you went to work. You didn't go to work and go, oh, I don't really want to do that anymore or whatever it is. Or, and you didn't have time to think about what your life was. You, you were getting by from Monday through to Friday or Tuesday through to Sunday. We used to get Sunday off. We used to do five and a half days and, and Sunday off to do your washing. And the restaurant was closed on the Saturday lunchtime because nobody went there. You had Sunday off. You'd get the night bus home via Trafalgar Square because Saturday night you'd scrub down and make everything polished again for when you come in. You get the night bus home. Sunday was about reading the newspapers and doing your washing for the week. <laughs> that was it. And if you're lucky, you went for a Chinese meal in the afternoon. But but anyway, that's the bad old days then. But it was, gave you a grounding. As, so you appreci- I appreciate more now everything that, that we've worked for and my kids now is i just laugh at that they, they've got so much joy so much i didn't really leave coventry until really until i was 16 17 and now my, I mean, my kids have traveled with us and stuff like that so they, there's so much more choice now but then it was like you go to london I mean, you gotta remember this is before computers yeah that's how old i am yeah this wow or well, getting here the grand height had only just been been, been built in in melbourne and that's why i came out to do mm. and then now they're tearing that down they're going to build a new hotel there <laughs> <laughs> i think there's an analogy there as well but uh, it's like i say I, I love the industry and stuff like that. it's funny i get called now this elder statesman or like the, somebody who said to me today oh you're a bit of a legend i'm like piss fuck off i'm not dead <laughs> <laughs> so you know yes. it's even coming in here today you bump into hillary and, uh, and people who've been around for a while and they go oh yeah they go oh yeah we're we're of an ilk you know <laughs> yes. anyway but then i no, but i started off Coventry. i traveled been to new york and paris and stuff like that, and i did the usual chefy thing and then good friends of mine they were talking about traveling and then went and then I got offered, I was at the Hyatt Carlton Tower in London and then they wanted us to go, they send out all these things saying if you want to go to Australia, because what the Hyatt did back then is they would open in a certain area, concentrate on opening those hotels there and then if you wanted to go you could do it that way. So then they sent a thing saying if you want to come to Australia, they had the Sanctuary Cove, Adelaide, Hyatt or Coolum, and I'd looked up Coolum on this in, the, in a travel agent it looked like a jungle I was like I wasn't going there and the sanctuary code looked good because the, but they send you the meter maids as the uh, as the advertisement <laughs> I thought well, that seems pretty good but my mates were like nah go to Melbourne's uh, is good because it's not as hot as like because and this how <laughs> in England it was like Australia we had this vision of it just being really hot yes and all the time desert and hot and stuff like that. and I was like wow and I remember watching Midnight Oil Beds Are Burning with them going through the desert on that the Toyota the backless Toyota thing and I was thinking that's Australia. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Uh, the shock of my life when I got to Melbourne, I thought, Jesus, it's just Melbourne. You know? <laughs> Here it was. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, uh, and, I, and I love it. I, ju- I just love I love it to bits. Do you have a favourite experience that you've done over your time? Favourite experience? Like a favourite place you've worked or a favourite city that you've worked in? No, I, lo- I, 
I've recently done uh, a couple of cooking things in LA, and I've done New York and stuff like that. And and you get the chef pop up things as well. We've done World Gourmet some a couple of times because one of my best friends, Lucas, was the chef at the Hyatt in there. I think I actually ju- I like the fact of Melbourne for what it is, and for some French Saloon, they're beautiful restaurants. So they work really hard, the crew there, and, and I love them dearly. And that way, because because I own them, it's like it works well. Mm. I think the European for 12 years was, was a good stint. It was like, that was good. And the European still goes strong and stuff like that. And, it, and that's the sign of a good restaurant. Me leaving didn't affect it at all. In fact, some would say it improved it, but that's good. No, I think everything, you, you fall in love with all of it. It's like even the even the crap jobs that you think, okay, I'm not going to enjoy this, but you've just got to make it yourself. But I pride myself on the fact that I don't go into it thinking I'm the world's best chef because I'm not. I, and I don't, those people that chase those sort of titles, they're a different breed. The people who get the three hats and the tweezers and all the molecular stuff, good on them. That's fantastic for them. I see what I do as a career. And it's a job, but it's a job that I love. And I can go and eat at the at the best restaurants in the world and stuff like that and go, oh, yeah. It's, but that's not for me. It's more the fact that I enjoy going to my restaurants or a local Melbourne restaurant and see that people, they're using good produce. It looks good on the plate. Mm. And But it's more the people you're with. And have, catching up with people, like last night I had dinner at French Saloon with a GM from one of the Ovalo Hotel. It was great to catch up with him and stuff like that. Food was great. We had Yarra Valley caviar. It was beautiful. I had good fun. And it's good fun. What made you feel it was a career? Have you always felt it was a career? It's a career for me. I, I know I, sit, I know where people get off, they jump off and go, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. And they talk about the hours and stuff like that. You will find if you're a policeman, you're in the army or th- any of those other careers, the nine to five jobs, they're, they're taken up by somebody else. And it, that's not for me. It's not, it's not what I wanted to do ever. I don't want to sit in an office, and it's not. And it, and people who know me know that I don't do Excel spreadsheets, and I couldn't care less about projected revenues and stuff like that. And that I'm not smart enough to be an accountant because it's not just not what I want to do. I wanted to do something with my hands. I'd, I'd probably have been a builder if I was clever enough. Yeah, right. But then I'm not. So I just think the I think the job itself goes because of the discipline and the, and what it needs to keep going. And and I still learn. And when you've been in the same job for as long as I have, you learn every day and you look at something and go, yeah, that's pretty good. And even yesterday, the veg supplier sent some pictures of new stuff and I was like, oh, we should put these little flowers on this asparagus dish. It'll go really well with that. And it's it's funny, a big bulky guy like me still gets excited about silly little flowers that we can put on a dish. But And it's things like that. And also, but... Now with the young kids coming through, and I've said this a lot, it's up to us to make it work for them, not for them to, for me to criticise the fact that everybody complains about staff. Oh, I can't get enough staff. Make the industry better, which it is getting better, and also stop talk, saying it's the hardest job in the world because it, it's not anymore. It used to be. Mm. But it's not anymore. We don't work for Marco and we don't work for uh, Gordon anymore. We don't work in those sort of hotels and that environment. We work in good places where everybody's got a groovy apron, everybody's got tweezers, and everybody looks like really good. They got we got people who got TV deals and book deals that they would never get that if they were to be an accountant. And mm. you just got to enjoy what you do and then drink good wine. I see apprentices now with twelve hundred dollar like Japanese knives. I'm thinking, man alive, you don't know what you're doing. But then. You go, okay, it is what it is, but then it's yeah. funny. And it's a great, I think it's a great industry, but you got to work at it mm. and you got to learn and you got to learn from good people. 
Mm. What do you enjoy about hotels? Because obviously you've done them for uh, a good chunk of your career. Yeah. Uh, just as many restaurants. Yeah. The hotel thing was, was always a consultancy with Ovalo. Ovalo Hotels, I've been with them for five years. They asked me to just help them with get their food standards up originally in Brisbane and then in Canberra. And then now I look after them nationally. I think it, it was... I think it was a good decision by them so that they didn't have to deal with chefs, whereas mm. the, they talk about the mind of a chef. Whenever I talk to my chefs, I'm on their level. Whether or not I'm on the same level as the GMs is a different thing, but also when I'm talking to a chef, they get it, and I get them, and I'll say to the GM, you can't be pushing that type of thing and stuff like that. We get the, as long as we get the food costs right and the labour costs right, but also we got in hotels, it, it's a different mindset to a like a one hat or two hat restaurant those guys they're not in the hotels it's a different type of person that wants to work in a hotel and that you've got to adapt to that as well especially with Ovalo for example we've got two vegan restaurants two vegetarian three what I like to say normal but they that's that but all my head chefs are good chefs they're good guys and I think in hotels itself that makes more of a difference as opposed to dealing with your let's say the sleeve of tattoos and the guys who are going hey I'm a guru it it doesn't work that way in hotels because there's a lot of admin and a lot of stuff that they spend a lot more time doing admin than they do actually looking at a plate of food and saying how do I improve that they go this is the food cost of this at 25% this is the labour cost and it's up to me then to turn around and say we can make this a bit better by doing it this way what do I like about hotels they're not going to go broke. So if you've worked, <laughs> That's a great Yeah. Well, like I've worked in restaurants that they go, you get a tap on the shoulder going, yeah, don't need to write that mise on list tomorrow. We're not, we're not opening. And even this week in Melbourne, as you can see, they get a, a day's notice, get out or a couple of hours, and it's like you go, hey, it happens. And also... There's a lot of people out there that have to pay their mortgages and they have to, they've got visas and they've got issues with that. And they go, okay. That's what they do. We we got to cater for everybody, and, and we don't have people queuing up to go work in our restaurants and our venues. It's not like Formula One, where there's if Lewis Hamilton decides to step down tomorrow, there's fifty other people going to fill that car seat. Yeah, there's nobody going. I, I really want to be the chef to party of a low South Yarra. There's not fifty people. You might be two or three or one if I'm lucky, who's really good. It's a process. Why do you think that is the case? It's tighter. Their business has become really difficult. And, and since, oh, it was before COVID, like, I, once GST started kicking in, mm. business became a lot more serious. It used to be the fringe benefits, I can remember it back then, but also GST came in and all of a sudden you had to give more of your profits away and stuff like that. The cash dried up and then people used to get, you could pay the kitchen hand in cash if you really already wanted to or someone would drop in with a f- big fish and you go, oh yeah, give him 40 bucks out of the till, we'll make it work and stuff like that. That ain't around anymore. Mm. And there's also now, everything's business focused. This is, you got to do this, do it, and it has to be done the right way. And also, the working hours and stuff like that, everything's, you've got to do it properly now we're a proper business now whereas before it was a lifestyle thing you'd have the old guys sitting at the end of the bar they didn't really care if they made that much money but now you're taxed up the wazoo and you've got to everything's got to be paid for yeah and now you go it's because we've become more business focused i always remember 
there's a guy that used to be in Melbourne called Dean Cambray. He's a very well-regarded photographer now. Very good. Probably one of the best chefs we've ever worked with. It was Jacques Roman's head chef back in the day. Oh, wow. And opened the old Tansies on Nicholson Street. This is probably before your time. But mm-hmm. anyway, so Dean always wanted to get three hats in the good food guard and stuff like that. And he was into it. Like, he used to puree the potato to order and stuff like that. And, oh, no... Full on, incredible, right? Yes. So Jacques, old head chef, and he was full on, and he got. They didn't give him a hat in the good food guide because they waited too long for the meal and stuff like that. And they weren't back then. The good food guide wasn't wasn't you know whatever. But it was more revered, right? But everybody knew there were favourites in it and stuff like that. Right. Okay. So Dean was he ended up walking away from the industry and stuff like that. And it's back then though he was BYO, so him and his missus could do could do the uh, everything. They oh you do the wine the whole thing you can't do that anymore you've got to have PR marketing mm. Instagram TikTok you've got to have people who are doing all that sort of stuff and silly chefs like me I don't know anything about TikTok my, my PR girl Daisy says we need to talk about your Instagram I'm like oh I can come on Daisy. <laughs> you know I'm like at my age and my kids are like yeah your Instagram's a bit boring dad I'm like what do I know I'm like I photograph a dish and go yeah, oh, that's a nice dish. They go, yeah, but you di- you're photographing the plates. You're yes. not photographing where you are and in the world and all that. I'm like, oh, yeah, but I was looking at the the, the, the crockery. They go, oh, God. That's it. And it's a different thing. But now you've got to be a lot more savvy on what it is. And also, a chef now or, or a restaurateur life now, you've got, to do it. you've got to be across it all, the food, the wine, how, who's getting paid, who how it's all you know, you got communication with your best customers mm. your difficult customers the whole thing and it's not you know it used to be that the chef was out the back you never saw him you look at the people who are make, who are doing well in Melbourne and, and and up and down the country. There are people that have, they've got to be in magazines, your fastnages and your Manus and stuff like that. They've got to be across all of it. And when you got Manu doing Dancing with the Stars, you think, well, we, we've jumped the shark here somewhere. <laughs> but also, those guys, you've got to be across, you've got to have more than just cooking talent, yeah. which is, to a degree, it's a shame but you've got to be able to do have a sense of humour. You've got to be able to work the long hours. You've got to be able to talk to people who are going to invest in your restaurant. And you just go, it's all these different things that now they all collide together and then you come out the other end. It's uh, like, for me, I don't know. I, I still love it. That I see it from afar. And you, I'm not, it's a shame that you go and see some restaurants and you go, you just know they're never going to make it long term. Yeah. But they're fun for a fun for a time. Can I talk about how you balance all the media stuff that you do? Because obviously you've done TV before, like you've yeah. obviously done radio before, talking about the podcast. Yeah. How do you balance out all that kind of stuff? I think you've got to choose what you want to be known for. I get a lot of – when I say a lot, I get a lot of people saying, oh, what about this opinion about this? And as long as it's to do with the cooking of what I do, then I'm happy to do it. Okay. But when I did the TV, we're working with the with the criminals and stuff. Oh, criminals, when <laughs> the young kids are criminals. <laughs> sounds, sounds, anyway, the uh, people ringing up say, "All right, now you then became this like this media person, and then they, you go, okay, we can get you an, a manager and an agent and stuff like that.'" And you go, "No, I only ever wanted to be a cook. I only want, if, I don't want to be a food and beverage manager. I don't want to be. I don't want to be a, 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 a whenever somebody says celebrity chef, I'll say celebrated mm-hmm. chef. Yes. That's my thing. I don't want. I want to be known as being a chef. I don't want to be known as like being a TV chef. That's not for me. There, mm. there are other people who do that, and they're very happy to do that. I refused to do uh, breakfast TV when I was on Channel Seven. I just said, I'm just not doing.
doing it because that's just not that's not my persona. Okay. And I just don't, and that's not what I want to do. I, I, I wouldn't do it. I don't want to cook, a, make a frittata, using somebody's yogurt or anything like that. That's just not what it, it is for me. And to go on TV and and I always frown on the fact that. Even burgers, for example, when I was at school and working in restaurants, if you did fast food, that was like that was a step down. It was like almost you was oh no, we're not, we're not hanging out with those type of people. Now it's become oh, it's cool and trendy to do burgers. We've gone through that phase now, and then you go the fast food thing. Are we going to go? Are you a guru if you make good tacos? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. But then for me, I've been through that phase of the trendy stuff. I just do what I do. I don't know. I just do it, and it, if if they don't like it, they won't come. And I just figure. Oh, I think I've been around long enough to know what I like and what I don't like. And then it's still a good piece of steak. It's still a great piece of produce that you can work with. And then you just say, and just a generosity of hospitality. Mm. Smile when people come in and they're in your restaurant. I say to my my guys, look after the people. They'll come back. And we've been very lucky in Kirk's. We've had great staff at Kirk's and great staff at French Saloon and mm. even the European. Mm. It's been there forever and they do it really well. Mm. So, you know. How did the TV show come about, fucking Ash? <sighs> I was at the European and we they rang and said, oh, we're putting together a TV series. Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, what is it? And I'd... I think I'd done a MasterChef by then. So I'd, I'd done a judge on a MasterChef... Um, I'd, I'd say it was Adam Liao's year that he won. Okay. And, and I was like, okay. Everybody got invited eventually. And then they rang up and they, I don't know whether or not they'd seen me or somebody on the TV crew or the crew had seen me, but I'd done a, a number of charities for Starlight and something else like this. And I'd done a talk on about stuff and they just said, maybe this guy's... He's got. He could be good talent for a TV show, and this thing came up. It was a Canadian series that they'd taken these young offenders away, and they they were birthing lambs on one of them. And I was like, "Well, that ain't going to work here." So anyway, so then so then they said we we're going to do this thing. They wouldn't tell me what it was, but I had to do a screen test, and I said, "Yeah, that's fine." You know, send in a. They they sent in a film crew. I was upstairs at the European, and they sent in a film crew. They asked me all these questions, and they and then right at the end they said. And have you ever been in trouble with the police? I said, yeah, yeah. And I was 16. I had a, we had a punch up and it was on. And they go, okay. So they thought they obviously, like, he'd had talent. And I'd been in the young offenders thing. Mm-hmm. So then I go, yeah, okay, yeah. So they came back and then Channel 7 came down and said, we're going to do this thing called Conviction Kitchen. And originally I wasn't going to do it because it's like a bit reality TV. Yeah. But then a guy called John Val Morbida, who owns Lavata and stuff like that at the time, said to me, you got to do it. He said, you have to do it because if you don't, then somebody else will do it. And mm. he said, and also you'll become not just Ian Curley from the European, but you'll become Ian Curley, the chef who's on TV. You know, mm-hmm. he goes, and it's, and he actually did an analysis for me that he said it'll probably, it's probably about a million dollars of advertising. I said, yeah, good oh, yeah. And he goes, and you and that's something you don't have to buy for yourself. He goes, they're going to give you that advertising. He goes, and how you portray yourself on there is how it comes across. He goes, and that's probably the best advice I've ever had. He goes, it's, you have to be yourself, but you can be on st- on there and pretend to be something you're not, but you're going to get found out. He goes, so just be going and do, be yourself. And that's the thing with the TV. 
and then I just did it, and then I enjoyed it. That it was, it came across well. I don't know too many people that said it was rubbish, mm. but it came across as yeah. And people say, oh yeah, I remember it now, and all that sort of stuff. And and it was that. And but I've always had that thing about you can work with kids, or you can work with people who, who are not they're not like the norm. It's not they're not they weren't public school boys or, or private mm. school and stuff like that. They were in, most of them were in, in the prison for drug-related issues and stuff like that. Not that I was, but they were in there for that reason. It was, and it, they were, some of them were good kids. It was just wayward. And since I started doing it, it's amazing how many people go, oh, yeah, my brother was in, went to prison or my mother's friend or whatever it is. And you go, oh, yeah. And there's a lot of it out there. And some of them deserved the second chance. Some of them didn't, but some of them did. And then why not? Back then it was like, okay, you're on television, it's, it is what it is. And then, yeah, it worked. And I liked it, the European liked it because they got filmed and mm. all that sort of stuff. And I got paid okay. And at the time, yeah, why not? Mm. So it didn't, I don't think I hurt too many people. <laughs> it's still there as a matter of public record. And then it's on YouTube and the kids put on, but I, <laughs> we had a... <laughs> My kids were watching Zombo make some really weird cake once and I was washing up and then my, my daughter was watching Zombo and I'm like, and my, Simone says to the girls, your dad's done the TV show. And they go, oh yeah, let's watch that. So they put it on. <laughs> now the opening line was like, was me saying, just 30 years ago I was in prison and, and there's something you don't know about me is... I don't, I don't bullshit and I don't mess around or something like that. And then my daughters were like, "Whoa, hold on! What do you mean you're in prison?" And then they stopped that. And they're, what did your mum say? And then it was like this inquisition from my three daughters. And, they, and then the little one, the eight year old, going, "And you were swearing on?" T- oh my god! So, and I was saying to them, "Get out the bag." And, it's, and it's, it was just funny that those guys were like, "Oh, hold on a minute!" We, there was something else that they didn't know about me because they seen it on TV, and I was just looking at my missus. And somebody was like. There it is, it's out now, and I'm like, okay, but yeah. But then, that was way back then, uh, now it's three daughters, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. What do you think, Ian, we can do to support people who have a criminal past, people who are coming to our industry to try and belong to something, to try and be part of a community, and they're coming, they like the regimentation of it, they yeah. like the organisation of what hospitality is, but it's challenging, right? There are things going on, like how can we best support them? It, it is challenging, and also what we've done, what we've realised recently, and across all of the government thing as well, every, a lot of people got so many different mental health issues. And, I, and it's not, I can't turn around and say to anybody they don't have mental health issues because you can't look inside somebody's head Mm -hmm. there has to be a way that for the people we don't have to have people working 45 50 60 hours a week you do 20 hours or whatever it is and but you got to help people slowly integrate them back into normal society and i say normal with with the inverted commas thing and stuff like that but we're desperate for good people in our industry desperate for people who can smile and just and it's not like we're asked, we're not like we'd have to give them a carte blanche to go mad, to go and drink all the wine and stuff like that. But we just need to realise that as a race and as a sort of like society, not everybody's the same. Like, you're not the same as me and I'm not the same as you. And you do you like things that I don't like. And there are things that I think about sometimes that, that I'm like, people go, why are you obsessed with golf? I'm like, well, I like golf. What can I say? And they go, oh, that's weird. But then there are people that just, their mental health doesn't allow them to do... I have no problem working 80 hours a week. 
Mm-hmm. I, have, I have no issue with it whatsoever. And I would say to all my chefs, you would have no issue with it if, if they're like me. Yes. But not everybody's like me. Mm. And, and you're not like me, nor like Daisy, who, who works with us, or my restaurant manager, Sarah. She's not like me. But I, we expect everybody else around us as a society to be do the right thing. But, and we've realised in the last maybe 10 years or so that people are not like that. The problem is that a lot of people don't do themselves too many favours when it comes to drugs and the alcohol and everything else. So they, it's almost like they're put to the side and said, nah, that's because he takes too many drugs or he smokes too much or he drinks too much. So it's, it's, I, I think a lot of it's a part of society's way of saying, oh, we don't have to worry about them, it's their fault. But we have to fess up and say, some of it is our fault. We can't expect everybody to be on $1,500, $2,000 a week. So we've got to be able to say, OK, they've got to be integrated back into society. And if we're talking about just hospitality, there's plenty of jobs for everybody. There's no, there's zero unemployment in hospitality. Yep. People turn around and say, "Oh, it's hard to get a job." It's not hard it's not to get hard. a job. No, but let's bring people back into an industry that both cares and nurtures, but also looks after people. And of course, you're always going to get the idiots. But you get idiot accountant, you get idiot real estate agents, car salesmen. I would even say politicians. You got idiot policemen. Mm. They get weeded out, and everybody knows who the idiots are, and you kind of like they go, "Yeah, it's not going to work." But we've got to, we we have to, as a society, cater for everybody and their mental health, and there are specialists out there that look after them. And yeah, okay, pe- people are just not built the same and are not wired the same, and we've lost good people who are good chefs. I worked with Jeremy Strode for years and years, and he wasn't wired the same as us. Yeah. Yet, I go and talk to other people out in the industry. I'm not wired the same as Andrew McConnell. I'd love to know how he does it, but then we're not the same. And I think we as an industry have to say, this is a good industry for good people, and you can be nurtured and you can grow and and you can work. We've got hotels over in Bali with Ovalo. They're not guru superstar chefs. We've got one guy over there who trains them because, yeah, it's different over there. They get paid less. But over, they learn from him because they know that they can grow a career and they get empowerment. I was forever thinking that we could train people to be baristas and then gives them some sort of empowerment. I wanted to go to the government with an idea and stuff like that. It all just got a little bit too hard. But also there should be a way of like people coming out of those care facilities or even prisons. Let's train you to do something where you can earn your own keep as opposed to staying at home all day and thinking that the world owes you something. It doesn't work that way. Why do you think that doesn't happen? Do you think there's just too much of a stigma in regards with criminals, for ex-criminals, for yeah. example? You could have 10 people in a room and then the, the guy that has been to prison, he's always going to be the guy that's been to prison. Now, if anything goes missing, and, 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 and it happens, that yes, he, if he does help himself to it, then ah, we, we, we made the mistake of taking him on. You go, it's not quite as cut and dry mm. as that. Back in the day when I went to the young offenders thing, I'm, I don't think I'm a bad person, but I needed someone to give me a second opportunity. Yep. But now there's so many more now involved with mental health and now with drugs and stuff like that. You go, people just think, oh, I just can't take the chance because, again, we go back to the it's now business. Are you going to? T- you got two people apply for the job. Are you going to take the guy that's come out of prison where you, it's a bit risky and he's not going to be supervised, or are you going to take the guy, the, the kid that comes from the public school? You think, oh yeah, he's come with a good resume. 
you're going to go, it is what it is, this business. Mm. But also, we need to nurture and we need to care for people and bring them back to an industry that, let's face it, it, it's a glamorous industry. And a lot of people see the industry after TV shows, oh, this is glamorous. And they think, well, I can go on TV and all of a sudden, two years, I'm going to be a pop star. You, you think about all these places that have opened after the guys who have been on MasterChef, very few of them make it to the end of the industry and go, yeah, I'm getting there. Very few. Yep. Yeah, every day you'll read about so-and-so from MasterChef or My Kitchen Rules is doing a, a cooking demonstration. You go, okay, yeah, good luck to them. But that's just not my thing. But back to the thing about the uh, we've you just got to care for people and that, that's what essentially that's what hospitality is whether or not you smile when people walk into your restaurant and say goodbye and stuff you serve them a coffee and smile and stuff like that and here's what it is but that's what we do we nurture and we care hmm? obviously you spent 12 years at the european and i think hmm. a, a venue like the european which is my partner's favorite venue in hmm. melbourne since i left and city wine store <laughs> i think at both times at both times eh? I think she gave me the date. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And and obviously you've spent time with William Anglis as well. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you ever sit back and think about the the amount of lives that you've impacted in a positive way? No. The amount of mentoring that no. you've done? No, never. No, why would you do that? That would be like patting yourself on the back. There's so much work to be done. So much work to be done. I'm doing a thing at the VU Polytechnic with the Ovalo crew. We're doing a vegan night over there, but just also for these young kids, because they don't know, n- not enough known about vegan cooking. Yes. So, and I work a lot with Shannon, and and, so, and and even I give her a hard time about the vegan cooking. So the thing with this, so we're doing the thing, but also young kids who like go, well, okay, we want to bring people into it and show it's not just about like tweezers and like getting your sleeve of tattoos and a Japanese knife. It's that actually work in there and go, it doesn't have to be as difficult as what people make it out to be. Nobody, yeah. There are people out there that enjoy doing 5,000 5, people if they work at uh, Marvel Stadium or the MCG or all that. People enjoy that sort of stuff. Yep. Me, it's not for me. But you know, you think it takes all sorts. You can learn to cook and then you can travel the world because the tomato is the same here as it is in Japan. And that's the thing. And it's, you can go, and okay, they're a bit tastier in Italy. But also, there's no reason why you can't travel the world if you're good enough and you want to work in those places. Okay, you're not going to go over there and be a sous chef on $1,500 a week and, and work in the two Michelin star and see the city. You're going to have to work. But also, you can travel. And I've traveled the world with it, and I'm not particularly that bright. So you can get there. But I just think... And I say to all the kids now, all you've got to do is look like you're interested, and a lot of it's common sense. Yeah. Don't lean on the bench. I'm not interested. If you want to lean on the bench or you want to question me about, oh, so-and-so is better, is better at Andrew McConnell's or Ben Cooper's at Chin, and you go, okay, they're good. We'll go and work for them then in, with an expletive on the end or whatever it is. But then that was then. Now it's, we're all the same. We're all the same. We're all in the same way. And it's, okay, we all just want to get going in the morning, get the job done, go home you can't sit there and think wow look, look how all these young kids are get out of William Anglis it, mm. can't complain about this if the apprentices are rubbish if you're not going to do anything about it and, yep. I, and I say the same and Ben Cooper and Andrew McConnell all of them will say the same you've got to do so, something about it they'll do something about it and that's it and of course you're going to have numbskulls around you it, it is what it is but that's part of the industry isn't it if they're all geniuses they wouldn't have people like me I understand what advice would you give to young chefs in the industry who are starting out either as an apprentice or just starting out in the industry? Would you want them to move around in the early part of their career or would you? do you think they should stay at one place for their apprenticeship and then move forward? Like, I think how if you think you've got a that? good teacher, if you look at the Lucas restaurants, they're doing things. Like 
I, I honestly believe that Andrew McConnell's restaurants do the best form of training that you're going to get in any of them. It's not hero worship, but you see the service. You go to Gimlet, you look at how many people they do there every night. They've got table service. The, the waiters look good. There's so much invested in there, and you think... Why wouldn't you want to go and work for those places? Because they're yeah. going to look after you. They're going to nurture you. Same as Chris Lucas's restaurants. You like it, you don't like it. It is what it is. But these are people that are going to invest their time and energy, and they need you just as much as you need them. And they will grow with you. And I think go to good places, learn off good people, and nobody's going to treat you badly anymore. Not not in those sort of places. You're never you're never going to work in the environment that I used to work for like 30 years ago. You're not going to get sworn out. They're not going to throw pans at you and stuff like that. It's, this is your job. This is what we need for you to do. And this is how we want you to do it. And they'll keep doing it and doing it until you get there. You, you look at places like Society or Gimlet or even the Rain and Laruna. These are beautiful environments and beautiful restaurants. You think these are fantastic. I would love to have worked in something like that as an apprentice. Mm. And and even my places now, some like French Saloon, they're good places to work. They've got a really good staff environment and the kit. And Luca's the head chef there. He looks after his team really well. There's no, there's never anything where they, they, there's issues with their pay or anything like that. It's like this is what they've worked. This this is how much they get paid. They work hard and, and they enjoy themselves. Beautiful. And and, they, and that's how it should be. Hmm. You're going to work hard, you enjoy yourself, and you're growing, and it's a career that you one day decide to leave Melbourne or you decide to leave England or whatever it is, and you go, I'd like to go and work in Belgium, Holland, Turkey, or whatever it is you want to go. You mm-hmm. go, okay, I can go and do it. And they'll be just as welcoming over there, I would imagine, as, they, as we would be in Australia because everybody I talk to says, how's your staff? And they go, oh, I could do with a few more. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like I said, zero unemployment and hospitality. Totally you agree. Know? Yeah. Let's finish off by talking about your new venture, which will open in 2024. Okay. I know a bit of it isn't under embargo at the moment, but I think you can probably tell us a the tiny only, bit. Yeah, the only thing that's embargo is the name. Yes. <laughs> so, because we're, we're at that branding stage. So, as soon as the name comes out, I'll let you know. And it'll come out. Because I, I noticed the other day, like, not my rival, but Adam De Silva, he's got his new place out as well. So, we, we're opening it around about the same time and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, I've got a building in Brighton because I live in Brighton. Don't hold it against me but we live in Brighton and this space came up and it's a, an old place, the International in Brighton. So it's an old events centre and now property developers have developed it and there's a restaurant on the ground floor. There's 50, 58 fancy apartments above it and that looks good. So that'll be my... I'm hoping that they want they like takeaway to the rooms and I'll do it as a concierge service so we can rush up to them. Amazing. And that'll be happy if, if it works, if yep. we've got enough staff. Yep. And then on the ground floor, it's going to be a wine bar. But I'll, my idea of a wine bar is a proper wine bar not not two watt bottles and all thing and stuff like that but it's a, a proper wine bar okay good food and there's a restaurant space that holds about 40 or 50 which is about as much as i reckon i could do at my age now but also i've got a chef who used to work with me at the european doing that uh, he's coming over f- from hong kong he's going to do and he's done been done the michelin star thing since he left the european mm-hmm. and then i've got a local chef who i want to be able to do the events side of it and stuff and the day definitely and he's a, he's an old and crusty like me right and uh, so he'll do the day shifts Felix, who's my, who's going to be my head chef, he's coming over from Hong Kong, and he'll do the night shift and the fancy stuff. That we have an idea of which way we want to go with it. So it'll be a cross between French and European Kirks. 
that type of thing mm-hmm. for in Brighton and it's going to be hopefully successful but it it's big it was bigger than what I thought it was going to be okay um, because you don't really I, I, I don't know a lot more a lot of better people than me have looked at a restaurant and, and done the numbers in their head whereas yeah. I looked at it and went oh this will be fun this will be good because I live in the area and I right. know the locals and I wanted I had this thing and it, it, I'm hoping it's not the last thing I do but it's it'll be probably close to being the last thing I do because it'll be the retirement thing and I want to be there I always fancied being in my restaurant every day Mm. Um, but I can't do it in the kitchen anymore because mm-hmm. I'm just, I just, my legs won't take it. And also, I've got three, three daughters. And I actually want to see them. I want to sit down and have dinner with them. And it's not going to be like the old Italian thing where they all come in and we all have dinner together and we all go home. Yeah, it's it's new, it's modern, it's it is what it is. But it's good produce. Hopefully, it'll work out. And but also, I'm skeptical of ever saying oh, it's going to be amazing. Because it, I realised in hospitality how actually difficult it is to get it done. Mm. And now we could go on forever about small business and how we have to do and pay for different things. And now you've got to get someone to tell you that you can't chop beef a certain way and serve tarte. You go, what the fuck? Yes, yeah. So anyway, so we can go on there. But then <laughs> you end up going, okay, all I want to do is have a good place, good suburban restaurant or wine bar that people can go to in my area. I can lock the doors at 11 o'clock at night and go home and then start again the next day. And I'm hoping it's going to be good. Fingers crossed. So it opens in March. And as soon as I know the name... <laughs> You'll let me know. I'll let you know <laughs> and then we'll paste it. And then it's, I've just got a few little hurdles to get across with the name. And then you'll understand when I come across you go, oh, that's why. That's why. Yeah. But i just got to do the right thing by the right people. What made you want to do another venue again? Was there some unfinished business? Was there, This has been ticking over in your head for a while and you just wanted to find a spot to get it right? At the European, it was I was the chef, right? And then we bought Kirk's French Saloon and I've got partners with Con and Josh and they do a great job and they're good people. But I want to do my own thing to a certain degree. It's like I know what my strengths and weaknesses are. Okay. And I think in this place, it, it, you either do it or you don't do it, but it's that's what hospitality does to you. You think... I think I can do this, and I want to do it my way. I don't, I don't want people to tell me what to do. And it's not that they they did, but it was. I want to be able to turn around and go, okay, next Saturday night, I want to take a, a booking of fifty people. That's it. We, we close the rest of it. I don't have to. I don't. For example, Ovalo, they're a hotel company. It, they 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 dictate from Brisbane and Sydney. It is what it is. Yep. But my, my place. I live in the area. Mother's Day is going to be good fun. Father's Day will be good fun. I want to be able to put a roast on the Sunday, and if it doesn't work, say, all right, I'm going to change that next week or the week after. Yep. It's my decision, but it's all my money. So I want to do it for myself. Not Even though we invest a lot of money in Kirk's and French Saloon, this one's taken a lot more money, and it's like, okay, it's, it's mine, and some, mine and Simone's and the, mm-hmm. and the three girls, but then mm-hmm. it's, okay, we do that. And I think I've got... Good people around me giving me advice, like with Daisy and PR, and I've got my accountant, <laughs> God bless him, as well. But they, they they give me good advice, and I think, yeah, okay, yeah, why not? Someone's got to do it. Yeah. And that's my thing. So someone's going to open there. I figure it's local. I can walk there from home. Yeah, why not? Why, why not me? Why not you? It should be good. Yeah, why not me? If I don't do it, Adam Silver will do it. So I don't, I don't yeah. want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. Understand. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for that to open next year. And I, I just want to make the remark, like, thank you so much for the time and energy you put into the industry to make it better. No. I know you haven't talked yourself down this whole podcast. No. 
but you have done an exceptional job for our industry and the amount of people that you've mentored and looked after and taken through the industry has to be accoladed. So no, I want to say thank you for that. It's fun. It's a great industry. Absolutely great industry. Love even the bad bits it's a bit like having children even the bad bits are good because we've all had those services where even whether or not you look at it on the bear and you go yep had that sort of service and it's yeah the rest of it's a little bit twee but we've had those sort of services where the whole thing go, get implodes and you go yep we've all been there whether or not it's and like I said Andrew McConnell Ben Cooper Shannon Ben all the gurus have been there and said yeah we've all been there and it's yep. nothing changing nobody was born with a pan in their hand it's you got to learn it and develop it Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. All the ways to connect up with Ian in the show notes of this podcast, especially with the new venue. Yeah. I'm sure we can give some details on that as well by the time this launches. Yeah, Ian Curley. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that one. Please come and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're doing this content with the industry in mind, so sharing it along would be amazing. Until next time, stay well, everyone. Hey there, Poe listeners. Let's take a quick break to talk about pay.com.au, a game changer in the payment solutions arena. Are you a business owner bogged down by cumbersome payment process and you know reward points? Well, pay.com.au has got you covered. With their platform, you can process payments faster, easier, and with better rewards than ever before, earning points with every business payment. Whether you're paying invoices, employees, your BAS statements, or simply looking to manage your business expenses more efficiently, pay.com.au is your go-to platform. Turn your reward points into business class flights or gift cards to incentivize and retain your staff. Check them out at pay.com.au and take your payment game to the next level.